Hello and welcome back to another episode of Henry Weston's Old Mate, the podcast. It's some golf talk with the Solheim Cup just disappearing in the rearview mirror and the Ryder Cup fast upon us this coming Thursday, Friday the 25th Hello. of September, Friday the 25th. Uh, I've got Sammy with me, Sammy Killip, the uh, deal golf guru. So before we go over and catch up with Sam about his golf and all things Ryder Cup and possibly a little bit of Solheim Cup, please, if you're listening to us, just like, rate and review the podcast. There's a lot of various content out there. We've had some massive numbers with some greenkeeping controversy. Uh, let's have some nice numbers for, for all these lovely golf chats with Sam. But yeah, share us about. We're not trying to make any money, but we are trying to get a little bit of traction. Sam Killip, you're not going to come on and talk to us about you got fired from a golf club because that gets 200 people listening. But um, how are you, mate? Firstly, how are you personally? And then we'll see how your golf's going. Yeah, I'm very well, mate. Yeah, Doing Always well. very well. Uh, and are you playing much golf? We're getting towards the... Hopefully the rough at Sink Ports is calming down and hopefully that means your scoring is calming down from a, hopefully you're shooting some lower scores, mate. No, I had a lesson the other day. I had, a, and a, so I played yesterday and the, my first iron shot was a stone cold shank. So I probably need to go to the driving range and groove it in rather than trying to do it on the golf course. But yeah, not, but a, uh, not an outgoing lesson with Mr. Reynolds or has he officially left now? Was it his party? No, Saturday, Saturday's his last day. Oh, okay. Have you been yeah. invited to the big do? No. Ah. None of us peasants got invited. Oh, I see some greenkeeping royalty has been invited. But um, what they I... won, the what the greenkeeping royalty he won apparently. Someone oh wow. Wow. What do you give the man who's got everything? Who knows? Um anyway, <laughs> Sam, we're gonna talk a bit about the Ryder Cup. Your golf isn't quite so good. The horrible word the shank. Um <laughs> Ryder Cup, let's just ask, I've asked you what major golf means to you in the past. As an avid golf fan, I know you love playing your golf, I know you love watching your golf. The Ryder Cup, it's something that we're treated to really every couple of years, isn't it? And it really is. It, it's up there with, it's it's a different It's a different style of golf, but it's up there with watching the majors, Sam, is it? It's better than the majors. It's, it's just, there's something about match play and to just people going head to head. You know, playing a round of golf each hole is there's something about that. It just it fires everybody up, and it's good to watch because you can have a bad hole, put that behind you, and then bang, your next back in the next hole, you're back into it. So, yeah, like we, me and Gibby were speaking about this in the car, and he was like, oh, he doesn't really watch a lot of golf, but he loves the Ryder Cup because he says it's one of his favourite sport events. Just because, say, it's two a country and a continent going at each other, a lot of pride at stake, and uh, you get a lot of passion as well with it. So I think that's what people like about it is the passion that the players and everyone involved in it puts into it. So. Yeah. And we won't talk, because anyone watching this probably understands golf really. So we won't go into the match play situation. It is head to head really, isn't it? It's you play every hole has a, it's not like a um, skins game where, you know, you can accrue points if a hole is halved and it carries over. It's a hole by hole, each hole, as a value, uh, and you could you can only win one hole at a time. It's very simple, but yeah, it's a head-to-head match play style that we really. I don't know. I think the Americans may have had some sort of team golf on the PGA Tour, a couple of pairs events, but it's something that you wouldn't tune in and see any other time of the year, Sam. Yeah, you get you, they had the match. They have the match play once a year, which they've scrapped now. 
uh, in America, but that's the only really match play. I mean, a lot of amateur golf is match play, isn't it? And yeah. stuff where people like universities in America and stuff like that. A lot of a lot of that's match play. But yeah, on the on the PGA Tour and the European Tour, you don't really see much of it. So it all gears up every two years into the Ryder Cup, pretty much. Yeah, and we are, you know, being British as we are, we are obviously we are no longer Europeans, but we will be cheering the European side on, Sam. And um, it's in Europe. It's at Marco Simone Golf Club in Italy. Um, first time the Ryder Cup's obviously visited or ventured to over to Italy. Um, surprised when it was announced. It was a few years ago now, Sam. Um, you know. There are some Italian golfers out there, and you know, were you surprised when Italy got the nod to host it? Yeah, because no one's really heard of the golf course. I, I don't know if it was specifically built for the Ryder Cup. I'd imagine so. A lot of these, it's, it was yes, kind of like yes, I guess. Then was wasn't it? It was specifically yeah. built for the Ryder Cup. But the, the problem they have now, they can't really go to traditional courses because they're not big enough. Like these sort of events. It's all about logistics. It's not about the golf course. The golf course almost plays second fiddle because they've got to get as many people in there as they can to, you know, get the atmosphere and stuff like that. So the golf courses, especially the ones in Europe, aren't very good golf courses normally. So a lot of the golf national, I don't think, was particularly good. The Belfry isn't a particularly good golf course. Yeah. Um, yeah, the 2010 course at Coman, not a particularly good golf course. It's just... It's, a, it's more based on logistics than it is. They golf. just so happen to be situated quite close to motorways. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. easy uh, access and all that. So, I mean, if you look back, I guess there is no right or wrong place to host a Ryder Cup. And Ed, uh, Francesco Molinari, you know, won the Open in 20. 18. In 20 when? 18. 18. That was going to be my guess, but it would have been a guess. Uh, and his brother, Eduardo, I think they're both sitting as vice captains to Luke Donald. One of, who else has he got? Bjorn, Alathabelle, and has he got the Belgian Colsarts on Colsarts, there? Colsarts, yeah, which is a bit of a strange. Yeah, so, I mean, Bjorn and Alathabelle, ex-winning captains. Uh, and I guess the Molinaris are adding that touch of Italian um, to the setting, and then Cole Sartz, I assume, is probably a good friend of Luke Donald's. Um, yeah, so let's have a look. Let's let's go through the team, Sam. Um, and I'll be honest, let's I'm going to put it out there at the start of this podcast, and it might come back to bite me in the ass. From a European perspective, I'm a bit worried. Um, I just, I look at the side, we're going to go through it now. My initial thoughts are that I would say, although we're on home soil, I like the look of the American side a bit more, not just based on the rankings, but we'll, we'll go through it. And before we go through the team, Sam, what would your initial thoughts be? Are you confident going into this Ryder Cup from a, looking from a European perspective? I'm more confident than I was last year. Like last year or the start of the year, you'd have thought America would have won easily but yeah i suppose victor hovland is now probably what the second or third best player in the world you've got yeah. Rory, ram the top half of the european team is better than the top half of the american team but i think the american team is more one to 12 is more consistent because you've got a couple of people on the european team that aren't really in good form and yeah so yeah 
I think like those three, those three I've mentioned are going to play five matches around that golf course. That could be quite tough because it's quite hilly. So I say I'm more confident than I was at the start of the year, but I don't know. It's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But America or USA always seems to struggle on European soil, so yeah. that always 100%. sort of evens out regardless of teams. You know, a lot of the the Ryder Cups over here, you'd have always picked the Americans to win. They've had a stronger team, but they just can't seem to get it done around here. So yeah, I mean, if you look. They haven't won since 30 years ago, 2003 or 1993, sorry, uh, at the Belfry, wasn't it? So, Hello, and as you may have noticed, guys, we experienced a few technical difficulties at the start of this podcast. So what this does is allows me the chance to throw this little advert in at the beginning and it's just for Kingsdown's tiny little backyard ultra that I will be taking part in organized organizing and running 37.5 miles to try and raise some money for cancer research starting at 6 p.m on the 6th of October me and my cousin Patrick and a few others will be trying to run 37.5 miles in 24 hours Starting at 6pm on the 6th of October, we will be running 1.5 miles on the hour every hour for 24 hours. Run 24 will be a three-mile run to hopefully total 37.5 miles. Um, there will be links in descriptions to the GoFundMe page. If you could support in any way, it would be amazing. Let's get back to some golf chat with Sam. And we're back after some technical difficulties. Sammy, before we went offline, you just mentioned what you call, I guess, the European big guns, the form horses, the top of the ranking sort of boys, McElroy, <laughs> Hovland and John Rahm. Top 10 golfers, Hovland probably playing some of the best golf in the world at the moment. Um, not too much to say on them, really, Sammy. We, we know what we're going to get from those guys and we probably thought or like to think we know what we're going to get from someone like Justin Rose. But is Justin Rose coming into this Ryder Cup? He's not coming into it in the form of his life, Sam, but is he coming into it in good enough form for, you know, from your point of view, to be confident that there are points to be won? Yeah, I think so, because I wouldn't say the Americans are in particularly good form either. So um, Rose is in for his experience. You know, he's had a good... Yeah. A fairly solid season. I think he got a win at the start of the year, didn't he? I think maybe at Pebble Beach. Yeah. I think it was. Um, so he's had a he's had a solid season. He's he's working with a new swing coach, which is obviously takes a little while to to drill in. So he'll do. He'll be he'll be solid. I think. I don't think he'll he'll play. Maybe three. He'll play the singles and maybe the foursomes. I'd imagine. I can't yeah. imagine them trying him out too many times. Um, but yeah, I think he can hold his own. I think, and he. He's a competitive guy. He loves the Ryder Cup. He's played in enough of them now. So I think he'll um, he'll do okay, yeah. Two guys who I would say, you know, what probably what you're going to get from them. I think someone like Matt Fitzpatrick, you know, proven winner, major winner, solid golfer. Might, you know, I think when it's going well, it's going okay. But when it's going bad, it's not going terrible. And I think Tommy <laughs> Fleetwood coming into this on the back of, you know, wonderful last Ryder Cup or last couple of Ryder Cups, um, you'd like to think, even though he might not be playing the best golf of his career, he's been up in and around a couple of majors this year. Um, any thoughts on those two, Sam, or are you fairly confident that they're going to turn up and, and they, they should be 
as reliable as you can hope for in this sort of high pressure situation. Yeah, you could argue that Fleetwood's probably had the most consistent year in in America. He's had so many top tens. He just sort of fades a bit on a Sunday. And yeah, he's a brilliant ball striker. His putting would be the only thing that worried me on with his game. His putting's not great. Yeah, he still sticks to the same part. I think a change of part might do him good. Uh, Fitz, he has been a bit up and down, um, but his Ryder Cup record's terrible because he kept getting paired with Lee Westwood last time. So, in the uh, is Lee Westwood not has he not made the side? <laughs> uh, he's probably <laughs> bitching on Twitter to somebody about it. But, um, yeah, Fitz, Fitz he's, uh, he's he's solid. He's again another good ball striker. He putts very well. So whether them two could be a good partnership, I don't know. Um, but those two, those two are top you know, top 15 players in the world. So no, no really worries about those two. A couple of Scandinavians coming in. Hoygaard, who is a particularly great golfer when his game's on. The last couple of weeks, it hasn't been on. I've watched him on the European Tour. And uh, Ludwig Orberg, Aberg, you know, the surprising pick, probably at a bit of a cost to the Polish man, Adrian Moronk. Um, he got the win put in what, his second start, uh, and he was up there the week before. Um, Hoygaard's a concern to me. He's not my biggest concern. We'll get on to that in a minute. But where do, that, where do those two sit with you, Sammy? So Ludwig, I think he's going to smash it. He's going to rip it yeah. up. Like, he is unbelievable. I bet, like I listened to an American podcast, and one of the guys on there has been on like, beating his drum for a while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's just brilliant. He's long and straight. He, he, you know, his short game is not the best, but he's only young. It's his first any term pro six months ago, so I think he's going to do well. Um, Hoygaard, his swing doesn't look particularly good to me. When I was watching Wentworth the other day, he was, um, <laughs> yeah, he had a really bad Thursday and a good Friday, and then faded a bit. But I would have, yeah, he was kind of lucky to get in. Say Moronk was unlucky, but. There's someone else I reckon we'd rather replace with Moronk that we're both going to talk about in a minute, I'd imagine. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you're thinking. I'm not. Till Hatton, he, he divides opinion. He makes me laugh. He reminds me of me on the cricket pitch. <laughs> but, I mean, the guy is a great golfer. If, yes, I think the match play situation. What worries me about someone like Tyrrell Hatton is that he, he, when he gets down on himself, for me, and I'm just from what I see, I believe it does affect his golf. When he gets down on himself, he's not one of these guys who sort of makes birdie as a bit of an F and a blind at himself and then goes on or makes bogey and then comes back and shoots sort of three under for the next five holes. I think he can let a couple of bad holes affect a whole round. Uh, and then in match play situation, all of a sudden you're shaking hands on the 13th or the 14th green and, you know, someone has to take you to one side. Uh, my concern is Bobby McIntyre. Uh, and I just, I nothing against him. I quite like him. I've seen some interviews. I've seen some wonderful wins over the last two or three years. But my God, when he's bad, he's fucking appalling. So he uh, he missed the cut in the French Open this week, didn't he? By quite a way. Um, if you could swap him from a ronk, I think if you gave Luke Donald that option, if he was allowed to, he would one hundred percent do it. You never know. He might just rise to the occasion and turn it on for this one week, but it's not looking good, is it? Well, where did I watch him a few weeks ago? And it was the week before he won. And I think the week before he won, somewhere, maybe he won in, did he win in Holland or somewhere? But the week before, I think he was three up 
or three three clear off second, playing about the fourteenth, and he missed the golf course twice off with a tee shot, like missed the golf course, and ended up join eighth or something, like a five hole disaster. But he honestly, and I know it happens, and we're amateur golfers, and it happens to everyone. But he honestly, he went from being three up to looking like he'd never stepped foot on a golf course. Yeah, he's so he he can play good golf, but. <laughs> He's few and far between with him from what from what I've seen of his career. And but he's got and, he's multiple European tour winner and he's yeah, made the yeah, Ryder Cup on points. He's not, not captain. I'm not pick. sure how though, because he he come runner up at the Scottish Open. He's done nothing since, but still managed to outqualify Moronk, who's won three times. It yeah. it sort of doesn't make any sense to me, but he's on the team, they're gonna have to deal with it. Wouldn't surprise if he sat till the singles. Like I wouldn't be shocked at that. I don't no. think I don't think Luke Donald would do that to him, but he can't play foursomes. Like it'd be like playing with Phil Mickelson, wouldn't it? Like you'd be all over the place. But he'll maybe play one four ball match and then yeah, singles and whichever American draws him is gonna get a point, aren't they? I think, you know. Well, I think it hasn't I haven't got the facts at hand, but I mean a few people have been left on the bench. I can't think of an exact age. I think, I don't know what, when Paul Laurie played a Ryder Cup, I think he may have got a run out, but I think he was quite vocal about the fact that the one or two he played, he 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 was left certainly on the bench all day Friday and, and maybe got a, a, a game at some point Saturday. And I think... A couple of times, I think of the Belfry, I don't know if it was it Mark James was or someone like that, that didn't play any a couple of people till the Sunday. Like he just refused yeah. to play them because they were shy, basically. I mean, realistically, if you, if you put your cap... If you've got someone like McIntyre <laughs> who has qualified let's say in year one of a, a fantastic year one of a two-year qualifying period and he he really isn't showing any form if you're going in with your captain's head on and you know you take the personal aspect out of it and you just think what is going to be That's what right. is the best pairings to win this Ryder Cup you may well have to leave somebody yeah. like Robin McIntyre on the bus until Sunday uh, and and see, Let, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. On, but 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 we will see. Let's click the iPad over to the US team, Sam. And you know, in, we've got again, we've got just looking at my screen, we've got a, a major winner, Wyndham Clark from this year. Then you've got some Ricky Fowler, love the guy. You know, everyone does. He's on the comeback trail. Sam Burns, Patrick Cantlay, these are all good golfers. Um, Brian Harmon won the Open. Max Homer doing wonderful things. Kepka, live golfer, but doing brilliant. Colin Morikawa, you know, two-time major champion. Chauflay, who just seems to turn up for anything where there's over $5 million purse. Chauflay's up there in the top 10, isn't he? Scheffler, Spieth, and Justin Thomas. Surprising pick, but I can see why he's picked. Um, talk to me, Sam, about where are the strengths and the weaknesses in this side? Uh, and anyone you're particularly, you know, particularly thinking is going to be real, really strong. So, I mean, someone for me like Jordan Spieth, who who has come back from the from the doldrums, really, probably where Justin Thomas is currently sitting. I know they're good buddies, but um, where where's the strength in this side, and where's the potential place for for Bobby McIntyre to win his point? <laughs> so, Scheffler, obviously number one in the world. His putting's a concern, but everything. When you hit irons and drivers as well as he does, and that sort of take care of, takes care of itself. 
they, they they all sort of paired together quite a lot. Harmon and, and Wyndham Clark are probably the outsiders in this, and they're obviously on the team because they won majors. But like Max Homer, brilliant ball striker. Morikawa not had the best year, but brilliant ball striker. Found um, some form recently again as well. Yeah. Ricky would be a little bit of a concern because he's they haven't played really. Apart when they finished in August, they haven't played since. So. JT will come good. I've I've got no doubt about that. He had a good week last week. He was top ten, I think, maybe. He um he done all right. He he'll get it sorted. Probably would only play a couple of matches. Um you're gonna be looking at your Shefflers who are gonna he's gonna play probably four or five games. Yeah. They're they're a very consistent side, say. I think Europe's got the better player, the top three better best players, and then USA are more consistent, so it's going to be a fascinating watch. You know, it, it will be brilliant viewing, and I think it'll be close. I don't think it's going to be go one, you know, a runaway either side. I think it will be maybe one or two points in it, like the Solheim earlier. Yeah, I mean, and traditionally, like you said, the Americans have always, or haven't always, but in the in the past thirty years, they haven't won on European soil. And if you look. At somewhere like Paris National, you know, there was a lot of luck. You know, you missed the fairway by five to ten yards and you were in almost unplayable rough, uh, you know, whether that was conditions, whether that was weather conditions or whether it was particularly set up um, for hopefully, the you know, that European style of maybe a little bit more consistent with the driver Whereas it's it has been sort of levelled at the PGA Tour in the past that a certain certain stretch of events so so at the middle of the American season where you can really tee it up, whack it anywhere, and shoot sixty six four times, make your half a million dollars for finishing twentieth, and and do that for forever, and, and and then you find yourself on a Ryder Cup side in a tight European venue, and all of a sudden, you know you're struggling. Um, but when I when I look at this American side, Sam, I look at consistent ball strikers. I, I see the same on the European side. And again, you know, Europeans probably more known for that style of golf. But with a lot of the European players applying their trade on the Europe on the PGA tour now. Do, is looking at these two sides, Sam. I wouldn't say that the Europeans have an advantage with with that style of play that has been levelled at teams before. Yeah, because like you said, all the top people on the European team, I think pretty much every one of them, maybe not McIntyre, plays <laughs> on the PGA Tour. You know, they all play their they they play very few events in Europe now. They play the Dubai ones and Wentworth, and the odd one, the Irish Open and the Scottish Open, but. The style they all play the American style of golf now, so it's not gonna be as big an advantage as it has been in the past. I wouldn't imagine. Um, do you think, with that in mind, do you think something? I mean, a captain obviously is a massive influence, and they have both been. Well, Luke Donald is he's not a second <laughs> choice, is he? Henrik Stenson was elected captain for this event and then joined Liv and he was stripped to the captaincy. So you've got Zach Johnson who has been in office from the start. Uh, Luke Donald's had plenty of time. When you think of Luke Donald and Zach Johnson, probably fairly similar style of golfers, not the longest hitters on the tour, very accurate golfers, you know, very solid with the putter in the hand when they were playing well. 
Luke never quite got that major. Zach Johnson, obviously, you know, won at St. Andrews a few years ago now. But when you look at those two as captains, not necessarily as golfers, Sam, can you, is there much, is there, for, you know, is there one that you would prefer to be playing for? Or do, do you not really think the captain's going to have a huge influence on the outcome of the overall scores? Zach Johnson's a bit of a clown, isn't he? Like, I don't know if you saw the press conference. It was I didn't. Of, it was a bit of a disaster. Well, Luke Donald's just a solid, steady guy, isn't he? Like, yeah. He's got a very good record in Ryder Cups and in his career. You know, he, he got the best out of his ability. He probably got a bit done by the distance that now everyone seems to have, where he wasn't very long. He, just, he was brilliant with long irons and had the best short game in the world. So... But then again, Zach Johnson's won at Augusta and won at St Andrews. So his golfing resume is obviously a lot better than Luke Donald's. But I would rather play for Luke Donald than Zach Johnson. He seems a bit of a David Brent type, <laughs> uh, you know, character. <laughs> I met Luke Donald for five minutes once. He was a thoroughly nice chap. And he, yeah. hit, he hit two amazing, I think they were four irons. It was practice day at 2011. And he, he, he hit his drive just over the two bunkers at four at St. George's and had a full four iron in, uh, to a, to a, to a pin on that top tier, uh, and flushed two four irons, not stiff, but you know, stiff enough. yeah. And I don't, I think he may well have been num world number one back then at the time. Um, that's, Ryder Cup talk, Sam. Um, do you want to be bold enough and make a prediction? I'm going to go 15-13 Europe. I do you know? I I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be very, very close. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something quite as dramatic as a tie that we've just seen in Spain uh, with the Solheim. Um, have you been home long enough? Did you catch any of that? So I've been tuning in and out because I've had the luxury of being at home quite a lot of the weekend. Um, wonderful, wonderful event. Uh, European retain with a score of 14 points apiece after being whitewashed on day one for well, the, the, the day one morning, four nil down. So pretty awesome comeback. Um, and, you know, some Scandinavian firepower that, Perhaps we could do with a couple more Scandinavians in the Ryder Cup side. Yeah, I managed to catch the um, the end of it. I was streaming it when I was on my way back from work, and it was brilliant. Like, I was I was captivated. You know, I'm not a massive women's sport kind of. You know, I watch watch that. Um, I don't watch a lot of women's golf, but it's as again like we were saying earlier, something about match play, and and it's it was brilliant. Like it was it was like Saganda winning it for you know she got the win and. Being from Spain, that was brilliant. But it was Caroline Headwall before that who would birdie like five out of six holes, didn't she? She just yeah. went nuts, and that was the kind of the tide turning. So yeah, it was it was brilliant to watch. Great, great theatre. Um, it's it was a bit when they draw. It's a bit when they're all celebrating the draw. You kind of think, oh, there should be some sort of settler here. You should have a playoff and see who chokes first. Basically, as a bloodthirsty sport fan, but. You know, they they did brilliantly, and they all represented their their country continents really well. And it's that's good for women's golf. Like something like that, that's that close and that high quality, is only going to grow the game, women's game, and it's a good thing. I think. And they go back, and they go back to the states next year, do they, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. same captains? Oh, I don't know is... if that is that is that the thing. I don't, yeah, I yeah, because they were trying to get out of the Ryder Cup cycle because of COVID, blah blah blah, but. Yeah, so I don't know if the captains is 
a coincidence or uh, and i just read a piece on sky sports very very briefly but um yeah people basically saying this is part one of a what isn't a two-part event but we've just completed part one the, the sides will most likely be yeah. different probably reasonably similar if they've now got a one-year qualifying period I, I haven't looked into it enough but the captains will be the same so very very interesting to see how that goes um, Sam, where does your golf go? We will sign off from Golf Talk in a minute and you're going to stay on the line and we're going to do a bit of quick run chat because we've got the charity event coming up. I'll plug that in the next one. Um, Sam, where does your golf go? I know my golf clubs haven't come out as much this summer as I'd have liked them to, but I have been a traditional summer golfer when I am golfing. My clubs will definitely be going away for the winter. What happens, obviously, being the permit, uh, the artisan that you are at Deal, you will play competitions, will we'll go through the winter. But are you, a, are you a keener winter golfer than some? Yeah, I mean, I play all through the year, but the competition sort of slow down, becomes more foursomes. And I'm going to make a conscious effort this year to practice more than I play because I've, so I've had a lesson, so I need to know. I know what I need to work on, and you can't really do that on the golf course. So, the boys just started going to nursery now. So I got three hours spare tomorrow morning. So I'm going to the driving range to try and work on a few things. Which is where do you where do you go? Which range do you use? I I sometimes go down Deal, but I don't really like giving Reynolds my money. Um, I'll go to either Manston or Stoneleys. I've got a card for both. I think I think I've got money on both. So it's whoever they've got the money at the time. Yeah, they've got the top tracer stuff now, haven't they? So yes. I'll, yeah, I'll just nip over there and have an hour over there and try and. And where's the handicap at, at the minute? I am five point four, so I get seven shots a deal now. So it's it's going up, mate. It's it's not good. I've not had a good round in a while. So oh, that's all right. Then. All right. Then. Well, Sam, that was some wonderful Ryder Cup chat. A couple <laughs> of technical difficulties. We see how that edits together, but, Sam. Thanks for joining me. We will catch up for, I think we'll catch up for some more sports talk soon because we had, to, I had some really good feedback about that actually. Okay. And um, me and you talk a bit of boxing, a bit of drug doping. Um, we won't get into any more of that, but I, I've got some plans and you've said you'll come along and join me. But, but for now, thank you for joining me, Sam. And anyone listening, if you're still hanging around listening to me now, please just like rate and review. Sam Killip, thanks for being a guest as always, mate. Cheers, mate.